You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Ben, why should anybody listen to Blockbuster Mentality? I mean, seriously, why should any of these people that we've interrupted while they're listening to their favorite podcast check us out or even turn off this show and go straight to our show? That's a great question, Dave. People should listen to us because we point out the most important details of movies and television. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the really important stuff like Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru in Star Wars. What exactly are their living quarters underground? But it's not just that, Ben. We produce high quality audio that is exactly right Dave because we will have my daughter interrupt us on every single episode <laughs> and we have an amazing stars in popcorn rating system we measure on quality and entertainment value listen to blockbuster mentality every Monday on all major podcast platforms and connect with us on Twitter at blockbustercast. so grab some popcorn grab some snacks we'll catch you guys at the movies This week, I have the privilege and honor to talk to Rafa Encinas. Oh, you. Please stop. <laughs> one of the most positive people I've ever met and one of the hardest content creators that you don't know yet. So uh, you should definitely get out there and check out his uh, YouTube page and his Twitter account. But you can also check him out every Wednesday here on Imagine If That's for right. Geek Elite Media. Geek out. So yeah, continuing my... Uh, series of talking to Geek Elite members so that our audiences can better know them. This week, I have Rafa Encinas. Thank you so much for having me. No. I appreciate you making the time to let me have a have an audience of people to talk to. You know, I, I just, I love talking to people at this point, like doing this Hey Mitch uh, interview podcast, so to speak. Like, it's just, it's really made it so that I'm more comfortable talking to people and just and talking about just about anything. Yeah, I usually steer the, the conversation back towards geek things because that's what we are. <laughs> yeah. But people love to talk about what they love, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's all I really want to do. So Rafa, what do you love? So that is a very hard question because well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's multifaceted, right? One thing that I really love about this podcast in particular is, you know, you facilitate very well people talking about things that they do enjoy and love. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the main things, right? When we talk about geek culture, it's, you know, maybe before it was more underground, right? Certain subgroups of people, right. and they enjoy their comics and their music and their certain things. But to be a geek, all that really entails is that you have a passion about something, and in nowadays, specifically, mo most things now are more in the popular culture. We've talked about it many times on Imagine If with, with superheroes and how now we have more of a dichotomy of people coming out and really saying, I'm a Captain America fan. I love Iron Man. The Walking Dead is cool. There's still people out there that respawn, which is also really cool. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> whatever you want to do, it kind of builds. For me, I'm passionate about storytelling. 
There is nothing that a good story can't solve. There's nothing that a good story can't bring you back on a nostalgia trip. And my favorite thing is, you know, going through my education, um, high school, going straight to college, and then getting my bachelor's and now working in education, what I've really come to appreciate is the fact that there are so many different types of allegories and archetypes in storytelling, right? We have the stories of the heroes, the underdog, good triumphs over evil. We have the idea of, you know, trying to go off and doing that Western in space or here or wherever it is. The idea of finding something new. So most stories kind of follow that same formula. But the cool part is when you have that certain pizzazz or flair that makes it just kind of just sting in your eyes, it makes it that much more powerful. I remember growing up, I was very sheltered. I mean, my parents loved me and they provided for me very, very much so. But I remember I didn't really listen to a lot of music besides like a lot of Spanish music that my parents would listen to. I was the only boy, but I have two little sisters. So I remember on the weekends and then during summer, we would all go to my grandma's house. My grandma would be the hub of where everybody would kind of leave their kids so we could make sure that, you know, they can go to work. <laughs> Uh, like many others. And that's when I kind of started getting into pop music because my cousin Dora, she had those, now that's what I call music, one, two, three, four, right? <laughs> when they first came out and the popular music on the radio and she had like Christina Aguilera, Mandy Moore, uh, Britney Spears. I got into the Backstreet Boys on my own and so that was really cool. So those were my two kind of main areas. And as I continue to grow up, I never really got into any other type of music until my, my childhood friend, Caleb, God bless him, that man, really <laughs> opened my eyes to other things. A big part of my childhood was living in fear, not in the fear of like I had a bad childhood, but more in the fear of I was very, I had very strong Catholic upbringing. So to me, it was very much if you step out of line, if you do something bad, even if you don't mean to, there's a good chance you're going to go to hell. My parents didn't try to instill this in me, but it's something that still happened regardless. And one of the main things was I remember when he introduced me to music like System of a Down, when he introduced me to music like Slipknot, and I thought I was committing a cardinal sin because <laughs> I was listening to these these chaotic bands. But it really opened up the avenue that way. So when I started in high school, I felt more comfortable in talking with people because as a kid you know i was very like i said sheltered i kept to myself um you i could be considered back then a nerd i guess i did very well in school but nobody picked on me that right. was one of the main things i had like a select group of friends where i remember during recess we'd play pogs we'd collect pokemon cards i love digimon digimon mm. was one of my main <laughs> things when everybody was getting into pokemon digimon was my shit and i remember collecting those cards even though they didn't go anywhere because those didn't become very popular uh, but I was passionate about that cartoons and anime. I remember a big part, I think, of being Hispanic, especially Mexican, not everybody, but for the most part is you grow up watching Dragon Ball Z, the Cell Saga, specifically on Telemundo. Now, this is this is something that I do find not hilarious, but interesting. Like, as many people, I mean, I know I do live and grew up in the desert southwest near right. the, the Mexican border, but so many of my friends that love Dragon Ball are also Hispanic and that's yeah. it's I, I what where is that connect where is that thing is it the Telemundo thing like they just put replayed the episodes there I think that's one big part of it I think one thing is uh, a lot of Hispanics specifically Mexicans they also kind of share a lot of the same dichotomies with like Japan culture okay um, one thing that I've realized is not only anime because a lot of Mexicans do love anime mm -hmm. even now working in the college system and getting freshman students that have just left high school going into college for the first time they are all still watching anime and they have this huge plethora of anime that they have in their head um, but also another thing is wrestling. 
a big thing, you know, in Mexico is Lucha Libre. Oh, yeah. But in Japan, it's, you know, it's Japanese wrestling. Yeah, it makes sense. And it just transcends so much. I don't really know what it is necessarily. I'd have to do more, maybe my one day my dissertation on it. <laughs> but it's one of those things, yeah, where I've, I've met all of these people where we connect on this idea. And most diehard Hispanics are always going to say that one of the most important anime they've ever watched is Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was true. But there were two other ones that caught my attention first. The first one was Digimon. So again, I watched Digimon when it first came out. And I just fell in love with those little creatures and the idea of going into a digital world and like, oh, I don't have to go to school anymore. This is my little dinosaur. It was really cool. But the other one that really taught me a lot as a person growing up and now I appreciate it was Sailor Moon. Wow. Sailor Moon was one of those shows that I remember getting so excited when class was over because I would run to my mom's car and I just get us, you know, mom, we got to get home because we're watching Sailor Moon. I'd record it to the point where at one point, so with my VH, uh, VCR, yeah, v- VCR, mm-hmm. I recorded over a quinceanera. Oh, no. That my mom got really mad about it, of course, but, you know, I record because it was the season finale of Sailor Moon. Of course. And it, I still have, like, these hardcore, like, goosebump feelings of watching, like, the season finale when, you know, uh, when Serena just destroys the evil Queen Beryl and just the music and everything. You know, re revisiting it as an adult, it still gets me pumped. Wow. But that was good because, you know, my whole life I've been raised by really powerful women. Um, my dad's always been in the picture. He was an alcoholic for a while, but he got help and he never, like, laid a hand on me or anything but me and my dad though we love each other there isn't as much communication mm-hmm. um but you know the communication with my mom was always there um, i had two sisters never any brothers when i was at my grandma's house it was me and like four other young girls because it was my cousins and my sisters i had my tias so that was kind of always what was going on and for me sailor moon was that powerful girl and it wasn't about sex it was literally about someone kicking ass getting powers and showcasing their 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 skills yeah and so that was a big big part for me i remember growing up you know a big thing about who i am is People tell me that I can be charismatic, that I can be very, very easy to talk to. They enjoy my company, and I appreciate that. And I never try to come from a place where I, I try to be conceited. I do play a character. Again, I love wrestling. So I will play to a character, and I will amplify my personality to 10 <laughs> when I'm turned on. You know, But part of that is to instill confidence in others because a big part of it is as an educator, my main thing is I want to make sure that as I'm working with students, I help them find what they're passionate about. And every day is the best job in the world because they come in and they tell me what they're passionate about. And one of the hardest things is they don't know how to really communicate about themselves. Yeah, they can say specific interests. Oh, I love soccer or, oh, I love this show or I love this. But it's really hard for them to really look inwards and really realize who they are. Not a fault of their own. I mean, they're 18, 17 years old. Some of them are 20, 21. And really, I don't believe that until you're like 25 and had some experience, can you really identify who you are? And for me, what I've learned around my age kind of growing up is the idea of storytelling and how whether it was Sailor Moon, Digimon, whether it was me growing up and playing my first video games like Resident Evil series, that kind of story. It was all ideas of these characters that I fell in love with. And I took traits of their personalities i can tell you mitch i remember watching the office for the first time and just falling in love with it and i remember you know one of the main characters jim i remember you know taking little mannerisms of his and using them in my day-to-day and sometimes like you're pretending 
that you are looking in front of a camera. Right. Even though there is no camera, <laughs> right? I remember being a kid specifically, and I remember being when we had the Kmart, now Walmart, right? But when we had Kmart, when you look at the lines on the ground, I would pretend, mind you, I was like eight, seven years old, I would pretend that I was kind of on a tightrope because I didn't know if maybe there were circus people around the Kmart thinking that they were going to recruit some young kid. They needed a, they needed a recruit. So they needed a C, they, they right? Needed, yeah. Just in case. See, so this was how my mind worked, and it still works like this. You know, it's so it's so funny how similar we are ah. in so many ways, because I used to play, like, you know, you go to the arcades back when there used to be real arcades, right? Uh, and you play, like, uh, the, the shooting games, where you have right. a, a light handgun kind of thing, and you're shooting at stuff, and I used to be like... Man, what if a cop comes in right now and is like, true. hey, that guy's really good. We should recruit him when he gets older. Or the opposite would be, if what if some gang member came in and was like, <laughs> that guy's really good. We should recruit him. I, that Literally with thoughts that would go through my head playing That's those games. That's the cool part. You know? The best part is now with meme culture, we realize just how similar people are. Mm-hmm. And when you look at things like, uh, I, I love Reddit. Because when you go to like ask Reddit, mm-hmm. simple things like, what are things that you do that you think nobody else does? And then you'll find like a hundred people to do the exact same thing, right? Or yeah, that or uh, what was it? Uh, a friend of mine uh, posted on her her Facebook the other day. It was the a picture of a sofa, and it was like, how many of you had this sofa in your in your living room? And I was like, I had that exact sofa yep. and coffee table in our living room. And it's just like to find out that so many people had that same thing, right? And that feeling, right? That feeling that we're sharing right now. That's one of the things that I love about not just storytelling, but just living, you know, for a big part of my life is as I grew up, I wanted to know, okay, so what do I want to do as as a, as a job, right? What am I going to do? Because we all have dreams when we're younger. When I was younger, one of my biggest dreams is not until I got, well, when I was younger, I didn't really have a crazy dream. I just wanted to be alive and just experience life. But when I finally started to think about things, one thing is I want to become a film theorist. And as a film theorist, right, there's really no money in that, but you go in and, you know, you, you look at the philosophy and the, the cultural context of movies and why they're important. Looking in retrospectively, I don't think I'd be good at that job because I like most movies that I watch. Um, <laughs> well, that's the great thing is you always find something great about a movie. Like even even terrible movies, you find something great. So. Right. And what your mood is in the moment or where you're mm-hmm. coming from. Right. And so, you know, that that nostalgic feeling, that feeling of us connecting on that level goes so far because, you know, as I was getting older, I realized I want to spread that. I want to share that. And how do I share that? Um even though my amazing mic skills are here in display today and every day because of what I talk about, uh-huh. you know, I remember being younger and I, I couldn't do this. I mean, the idea of public speaking horrified me, like most people. And it wasn't until, you know, I got my first job as a men, like as a tutor at the Student Success Center at the college, right? An English tutor. I help students with their papers. That really opened up a lot of avenues for me to try things out. So to those young of you who are listening or to anybody, you know, go out there, go try things. It makes, it makes your repertoire of skills that much better. And then you mix that with things that you will enjoy, right? Like for me, one thing that I love and I'm eternally grateful for is one, having parents that instilled in me a good sense of right and wrong and how to act as a person. Uh, Two, the other thing that I'm really happy about is the friends that I've had. Um, One thing that I've always really, really enjoyed is whenever somebody pays me a compliment or tells me that I've made a difference in their life or they enjoy the way that I say something or they think I'm a nice guy, I always relate that back to my parents and remind them like, hey, you know, this person said this to me is because of what you did. Or I also rely it back to my group of friends because I am just a mixture of things that I'm learning from other people around me. And that's what most people are, right? Yeah. I feel 
a lot of who I am and the skills that I've learned, I've picked up by spending time with amazing, talented people. A big portion of my adolescence, you know, from like 17, no, 16 to about 22 was learning to be a musician. I remember picking up the guitar because my best friend Caleb, he picked up a guitar. And so I learned and stubbornly I learned. He taught me so many different things. I learned to, to, to play a tune. We basically became Tenacious D without knowing Tenacious D was a thing. <laughs> and then going back and listening like, oh, shit, they did it. But they're <laughs> they so much better me. than us. Um, and, you know, joining bands and being part of bands, meeting other musicians. The fantastic Stephen Clark, who's a member of this fantastic chain of amazing podcasts that we create. I mean, he instilled in me so much from not just my love in video games a lot of my my love in music and and anime and more importantly that positivity you know because it's hard you have to be able to surround yourself with people that are able to produce that out of you and to want to be better so uh and as i just said we were, were so similar in so many ways like uh when we get together we often talk about movies oh yeah i mean we, we both have a love for movies comic books uh cartoons to an extent because I never hit the the anime bubble, mm. but I mean, I guess the closest thing would probably be Transformers Generation One. Like Hell that yeah. that that version of Transformers was, is always going to be mine. Uh, but one thing I've never done personally that you have is being a band, being a musician. I, I've never done something like that. So what what was that experience like? What kind of music other than being Tenacious D <laughs> before you knew Tenacious D? What was that? For you, it was always the intention was always metal. Okay, right. So, like I said before, it was my buddies got me into music. Right, it started with Mexican music to pop music to then like System of a Down, alternative metal, I guess. Um, during that time, we mostly did a lot of acoustic music. Me and my buddy Caleb, it was two man group. We both play guitar, and we sang about things that you can't really sing about today, right? Like we had a song called "Pediatrical Cancer." Uh-huh. And that song was about a baby who was found on the street that had cancer. Wow. We had really offensive songs, but during that time period, we thought it was fucking funny. Okay. Not saying that a baby with cancer being on the street is a funny thing. But being edgy like that was funny. Edgy was ba- well, funny back then. Kind of yeah. the whole controversy with... Um, James Gunn and what some of the things that he right. kind of said, right? Right. Um, you know, different time period, different things. I'm not trying to excuse it. That's just what it was. Right. Um, and we just came out with a lot of songs. A lot of it was very um, ad lib as it would come. We'd watch something we think it'd be funny and we'd create like a little song. We weren't super talented, even though Caleb was a great musician and I was kind of getting there myself. Over time, you know, he, as we got older, now going through high school, he joined other bands. And as he joined other bands, I would help kind of starting off as either a roadie or kind of a backup musician. Sometimes I'd join his vocals. One of my second bands was called A Raffle. So this was my like emo punk phase. And A Raffle, so we made really good friends with Nick Sheffield and Chris Sheffield and I believe I've interviewed Chris inter- Sheffield and you've interviewed Chris he's before. doing incredible things in movies right now right? so that's that's awesome that you were part of something with him before right so we were all you know I met them through Caleb and for a short amount of time I think a couple of months maybe less than a year I want to say it's been so long now but we started a band back in high school called a raffle which was a razor away from living because oh, Nick wow. was the oldest, and Nick, he loved those screamo bands. And so, you know, I was the front man. I was the singer. We came out with a couple of songs. We played two shows, and it was great. It was a fun time, right? It wasn't su- anything super serious. As At some point, you know, Nick went off to college, and so did Chris, so we kind of split up and did our own things. Caleb met other people. We met the fantastic David Toronto, and we were in a bunch of different bands from Tears of Michael to Glass Dimensions. I met Steven through high school. I remember him being really excited to tell me that he – didn't or did win a battle of the bands so i remember he, like one of the first times we connected was right after school he's like hey 
I know we barely know each other, but you want to see something? So we go over, we walk over to his house, and he shows me all, like, he couldn't tell me that he won Battle of the Bands, but he showed me, look at all the stuff they gave us. So you kind of put two and two together, right? Why couldn't he tell you? Because <laughs> they hadn't aired yet. Oh. The episode hadn't aired yet, but he needed to tell somebody, so he told me. Well, didn't tell me. Didn't tell you, yeah. Um, and so, you know, from there, we joined a couple of bands, the so, big one always being Versus the Sea. Wait, uh, okay, so... I, I mean, obviously, I've known you after this part of your life. Right. Uh, I need to know if you dressed differently back then than you do now. Did you get into the punk alt scene? Okay. I did dress differently, but no. <laughs> oh. I never wore the tight pants. I never looked the part. Okay. Me, I, what I did in high school, I was the kid that always wore a towel around his neck. Okay. I looked like a straight up cholo, <laughs> mostly because it was really hot outside. And so I would always like wet it and put it in the fridge and take it with me wherever I went. It makes sense. So I never looked like the bands that I was a part of. Okay. Um, and most of the time, like versus the sea, I wasn't an active, active member, but I was more of the person that was there. Back then, we used to think of them as kind of like, oh, we're going out of town, so we're doing like a road trip type of thing. But really, it was like an out of town show, right? But the nostalgia is there, right? Us uh-huh. spending spending money we didn't have to drive over to to phoenix to play a show with like 17 people yes um those were the best i missed i missed those times so much and you know i learned better guitar skills you know i picked up the acoustic at that time i was playing more acoustic music and i played my own little things but never anything professionally for me it was always the idea of i was surrounded by these great musicians great guitarists great drummers great singers great this screamers things that i would want to emulate but then over time you know as always, things change. And being starting as a band and keeping as a band is very difficult. And so to those people that are still doing it, like Samsara, that was a band here in Yuma that started you know, when we were doing stuff, and they're still going, and they're doing great things. No, that's awesome. Keep it up. Um, but for me, you know, my background was always in education. So I knew this wasn't going to be an end-all, be-all thing. And so the music was great because I got to meet these great people and we got to experience road trips. We got to experience times where people like hated us. I remember a comment when I was in a band was said by one of my band members, which put us in a really bad light. And, you know, people, you know, he got death threats and it was really, really, really intense. Um, But all of that that we went through, it was it was a surreal experience. I remember one time we all went to go play a show at uh coachella but not coachella the event coachella like the The city the city (laughs) and it was a great it was like a backyard show right this was with uh glass dimension so the band members were my buddy caleb david um john uh rick and it was a good time and it was like three bands that all went together we all traveled together to go play this show and there was this uh i was the merch guy right so i was selling all the merch i had my my stuff set up i was ready it was a good time there was like this straight up gangster guy who came over and he was like trying to steal. He got caught stealing something and so he wow. came back and he was trying to take stuff. And my front man, David, like David's like, he's a big buff dude. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to take this. And I remember standing right there. I'm like, are we really going to get into an altercation right now? <laughs> so these are the things that I experienced. And like uh, Jeff, Jeff Yuma, shout out to him. He's a big dude that was a big part of the Yuma scene, still is. He's the one that did so much to bring bands to Yuma. And, you know, you know, hardcore, screamo, whatever you want to call it. He did such a great job. And I remember him standing right next to me and just going, like, just egging it on, ready. He, like, he wanted to see that fight. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And ultimately, the guy left. There was no fight, but he said he was going to come back. And then, like, he showed David a picture of, like, his homies. So, like, we assumed, oh, they're, they're going to bring their gangs. Let's get out of here. So we got our stuff. We had just finished, so we left. And I remember, you know, I couldn't eat because, like, I thought I was going to die. Ew. And I was going to get shot that day. It's the first time I ever felt like I didn't want to eat. But 
I wouldn't trade anything for those memories. No. Because I developed a sense of of awareness of, you know, how much goes into being in a band, how much it goes into not just writing music, but trying to keep it together. You know, the bands that I was a part of in some capacity made it work pretty well, but there's always internal politics and friends become enemies and it becomes a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, some people make relationships. And so when someone else comes in, someone leaves, someone travels to, to California. And so now it's not the same, but I think that's important because, I feel like for at least for me, being a, 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 a like a famous musician was never in the cards. Uh, maybe for some of my friends it could have been, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's you know that's a very hard trait to get into. Mm-hmm. But I but I thank I thank for it every day because I got to experience a lot of really cool things and I got to meet a lot of incredible people like Stephen. Right. And Steven, you know, he's one of the main people that really got me into like my next level because I can kind of separate my life into sections. It was, you know, me growing up, kind of figuring out who I was, kind of getting past that, that, that sense of fear of who I am as a person and kind of dipping my toes into the water of what are things that I like watching anime. Then I kind of was, you know, going into like the music scene and doing a lot of that stuff. And then after that, it was kind of like, okay, I'm in college. I have my associate's degree. I'm working on my bachelor's. I'm working part-time with two jobs. My other friends, some of them are leaving Yuma because they can't find work. A big part of this town is a lot of people don't want to stay because they can't find something or it's hot it's, well, especially younger people they right. just they always i mean everybody wants to get out of this town i was one of those people i wanted to get out of this town too when i graduated high school but you know you move away to the city and then you find out that I, you need to come either you need to come back you want to come back right it's, it's a, one of the two I mean, or you don't move, come back you just leave and you're, you're good like right. it's it's a it's it's a way of life yes and so you know during this time i was kind of going through okay so what am i doing i wasn't actively playing music anymore um i didn't really hang out with a lot of friends i'd still hang out with steven here and there but really like my my friend group had dwindled and it wasn't so much of a problem but now i was more concentrating on like my work and my own personal things god i remember you know being younger and just having the energy to just spend all weekend with my friends you wake up at nine o'clock in the morning you go to your buddy's house and then you're just hanging out to like 10 p.m one in the morning at Filiberto's playing card games <laughs> like because we didn't recreationally like drink or or do drugs so it was literally us just chilling in the same place maybe eating pizza maybe talking about something watching a movie whatever it is it's just us in the same space right mm-hmm. and so i remember one day you know steven hits me up and he's like you know, I got this idea. I want to do a podcast, and I uh, and I didn't know what a podcast really was. And he explained it to me. You know, I was like, oh, it's kind of like radio, but on the internet. On the internet and he yeah. showed me some examples, and I didn't really care for it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was great, awesome. It's not a problem, but I saw how excited he was about it. Mm-hmm. And if Stephen was that excited, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do this with you. And that's how this new machine was born. And you know, it was me, him, and Sid, and we all had a good time just doing this, and it grew. And then we went off and we did other things. But I'm always thankful for that because I mean, that's that's the point helped. where I came in, or at least I got to know you guys. It's when you were part of this new machine, and that was going strong. And we had a few cross promotion things where we 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 talked to each other and stuff like that. I am still I love the infamous uh, "What is the greatest cereal of all time?" podcast. <laughs> I think that was like the second one we ever did. It was the same day, but we did two. We right, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that was you and uh, Richard. And Rich, right? Yeah, yeah, that was right. That was a good time. And I mean, that was fun because for me, it was like it helped me with my my on-air personality skills more so. And well, it was really a good time. You guys also, you, you, you incorporated video into yours, which is yes. awesome, which was something that we don't 
often do here with our podcast, but I mean, we could change in the future, but as of right now, we, we don't do that. But like you, you guys integrated video, which was pretty awesome. Cause you had a, a cool little space, you know, it's decorated the way that you would expect the conversation yeah. is going to go. And, and I loved the way that it was always just a conversation. It wasn't, it wasn't so much like this. You weren't interviewing anybody and it wasn't, uh, we're going to stay to one topic thing. It was just like, Hey, this is what, you know, is interesting right now and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. And that was the whole premise behind it. I mean, I give my kudos to Steven because I remember a lot of people like when they would listen to it, like a lot of friends, they'd be like, I don't get it. Like, what do you, what is the purpose of this? Are you guys talking about a specific thing? It's like, no, the idea is it's 11 o'clock at night. You're, you don't have any buddies that you're hanging out with. You turn on the podcast. It's like you're sitting there and you're, you're listening to us talk. And you're kind of like a casual observer. <laughs> and that's kind of the fun to it. That's that's really what it was. We were able to to express our ideas of the given day, whatever it was, and we try to talk about things that we enjoyed, whether it was music or anime, sometimes a little bit too political. Mm. I've never been a big politics person, but I mean, it kind of goes and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it so much. I mean, it's 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 great because you can people that are listening can just follow along and then you had a you had a twitter you had a facebook kind of or i don't know if you guys had a facebook or not i don't but, think we ever used the facebook but I you had, we did have one you had i knew you had a twitter so thing is that people could follow along and tweet back and then they, you would be a conversation because that's the thing is like when you're sitting around with your friends yeah. and you're like having that great conversation like man we should have just been recording this other people need to hear what we had to say <laughs> <Yep>. now <laughs> this is what you had this is a podcast kind of thing so and that's really important because i mean in the age that we live in now, right? I mean, we've been doing this now. This new machine was like, well, I want to say two, three years ago, right? Uh, Geek Elite's been around longer than that, I believe. Correct? I mean, you guys kind of buttoned it up two years ago? I want to say around that time. Yeah, we've. this is, we're ending our fourth year. Okay. Yeah. So like so around that time. So it's kind of, we've been doing this for a while and you know, there's always that uproar of people saying, oh, we got these great ideas, let's do a podcast. And you find out real quickly which are the people that are serious and which ones are not. <laughs> yes. Right? Because I can't tell you how many times I've met people that have had the idea of starting a podcast, but then when the idea starts to turn into something, people back out, yep. something happens, they can't find a space. I mean, it's understandable. Some people don't want to put that much time into the, the idea. It's like, everybody has lives. Right. This, I We are not making money off of this thing. No. So to spend a, a good chunk of your spare time to do something like this and not get compensated other than hearing your voice on the internet might not be enough for you so you just back out <laughs> and i understand that that's completely understandable and i get that too and what i like about this is you know it's it's like-minded people who want to share their thoughts and connect with the community mm -hmm. and that's really important you know i mean it's it's hard and i'm going to talk about this in a second but you know steven also helped me with two other passions one being my love for music that's when i love for movies that's why i started uh the rafa at the movies twitter awesome um which i'll talk about in a second and then also my youtube channel and the reason that you know i started all that was because i wanted to have a platform the first idea was a platform where i would have a catalog of things that i've done so i can go back and watch them again if I ever have kids, if YouTube is still around by then, mm -hmm. I want to be able to show my kid, look at this cool Power Ranger toy that I had, <laughs> or look at this cool thing that I did, right? That's the whole idea. And in YouTube, Patreon, um, Twitch, a big thing of it now is 
people, you know, they're they're monetizing, which is great, and they're making money for what they're doing, and good for them. And mm-hmm. I'm, that's not an issue that I have with. Um, but that does kind of turn it more into work. Yeah. And you know, if you love what you do, and if it's not really work to you, that's great. But as soon as you kind of start adding more of those aspects to it, it becomes a lot harder, and your your vision, your baby changes a lot. Um, unfortunately, kind of a conversation I had with you before was. I love people being passionate, but sometimes people don't know how to express that passion. And sometimes, you know, kind of like the idea of comic books, not all comic book fans are easy to talk to because some of them might have like really crazy ideas or they just might be antisocial and it happens. Right. And so, you know, with the idea of the Internet, anybody can come in and comment and try to make your day just shitty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people, they can't handle that kind of pressure. They take it way too personally. And some people just want to be assholes and it happens. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was always kind of that idea of trying to just put myself out there in a way where this is something that I'm having fun doing. And you know, if, if you're having fun watching, great. And that's kind of the whole idea of the YouTube channel. When Steven started talking about this new machine and we started the podcast, he encouraged me. He said, Hey man, you love action figures. You do this. Why don't you make it your own channel? And I remember he instilled in me something where he's, he always told me that he wished that at the time when we first started that this new machine had more content because you always want to have like a plethora of content, mm-hmm. right? That's always good. And somewhere down the road, as I'm making my videos, I just kept making videos. Sometimes they were a minute, two minutes. I incorporated video games. Basically it just turned into an all hub of things that I think are cool. Right? <laughs> and ultimately it's been fun because for me, it's, it's a place it's become therapeutic for me more than anything else. I go to work, I work with my students, I make a difference day to day with what we do. And then my little hobbies, my little passions, my action figure collecting, my comic book talkings, my discussions on films, I'm able to kind of have a platform where I can put it out there. And if someone sees it and they like it, great. If not, that's fine. It's kind of like I I spoke into the void and the void didn't give me anything back. But the cool thing is, you know, why by talking about like toy reviews and talking about my passions, I've met people across the internet who are just cool and they they love talking about this kind of stuff. And they'll talk to me about how I bought this, this My Hero Academia Deku toy for $300. And they'll say like, oh, I got mine for 20 bucks. I'm like, that's cool. Are you home? I hope you're having fun with it. The one I bought, you know, back when I bought it, it was, there was much less variety. And, you know, I, I pulled the trigger and I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy this stupid ass toy. But I had so much fun with it. Yeah. You know, taking it to like Best Buy and Hobby Lobby and taking pictures of this little toy with all of like the collectible things. It was a good ass time. With the movie channel uh, on Twitter, I remember I just love movies. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to start just doing like a 160 character review for me personally of movies that I've watched. And this was going to be a way for me to remind myself of every single movie that I've seen. And I made a I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't just talk about any movie. I would have had to have watched it within twenty four hours. Oh, so that's why at the beginning, you know, I was I had I had content that was coming out a lot because I was watching movies and I was revisiting and I was looking and I was doing stuff. And then you know, the past like year or so, because I'm doing a lot of other things, it's like if I really enjoy a movie or I watch something, then I'll go back and I'll add it to my little catalog. Yeah, and that's it, what it is. It's cataloging memories, cataloging ideas. Exactly. That way, I mean, that way you, you can have a reference point. You can go back and be like, "This is, you know, this was a great movie." Someone, because as a movie person, a person who loves movies, what is it that someone always asks you? 
well, what's your favorite? Or what, what's something you recommend? And yep. you're like, okay, well, let's let's go through the catalog. Just, oh, look, th- I watched this movie right here. Yep. You should give that a try. You want something spicy? You want something scary? What, <laughs> what are we looking at? And that variety is important. And some people have told, I mean, something that I've learned over time is I've always had like that collector bug in me. And while some people collect cool things like cars and like vintage cards, I guess, um, for me, it was always collecting not just ideas, but I like the idea of collecting action figures. It wasn't always a main thing for me, though. I remember growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So when we'd have yard sales, if I did have toys, my my toys would go, right? So when I turned like 22 and I moved them with my roommate, Emily, shout out, Emily, I miss you. Um, what would happen is I remember like that first summer that we were living together because it was summer and I wasn't working as much as I normally did during the summer. I remember struggling with payments and it was like three months specifically where like I was, I was paying. And then as soon as, you know, work started, I remember back when we had the beautiful Hastings RIP, <laughs> I remember my first big paycheck. I, I, I was in the Hastings aisle and I was at the toys and I saw like a DC collectibles, Batman and Superman. And I just decided I'm going to buy these. And then it just turned into this tidal wave, this, this, wow. this insanity of just me just then buying action figures. I don't regret anything. Um, I've wasted so much money on toys. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. Uh, before I got here, I actually went to GameStop earlier because they had my my Green Ranger putty two-pack that I oh, forgot wow. I pre-ordered. Uh-huh. And the funny thing is I found one at GameStop yesterday, and I bought it, even though I pre-ordered the other one. So now I have two of them. <laughs> I didn't have to buy the second one, but I did. It's I have like these little ticks to me, and I think a big part of it is because of my dad. Because my dad technically is a hoarder. He just hoards <laughs> things. And so I think that's part of what I have. But I've realized with this mentality that nothing lasts, right? Like you can get a really cool movie collection, right? DVD, Blu-rays. But eventually what's going to happen when the last DVD player explodes, right? Or when your DVD scratches too much and now you can't find it. We are going into a, 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 an age of streaming. And that's scary because if you buy your your films digitally and then they lose the rights to them and you lose your movie then do you really own anything, no. right? I think about that and it scares me. But the convenience is there, right? We have these beautiful machines that allow us to look up anything at any given time, right? Right. The fact that you never have to be bored again, but people are still bored. <laughs> that's Isn't crazy. Isn't it insane, it's, right? That's insane. And so it's, I, I have these great collections and I remember having all of these films. And then during like a, a tough time, I reminded them, I told myself, you know what? Keep the ones you really want, sell the other ones so you can make a little bit of money. And I did. And I regret it now because I did like seeing them. I have this graphic novel collection. I have so many X-Men graphic novels, Power Rangers, DC, Marvel, The Walking Dead. And, you know, I think to myself, oh, I'm going to hold on to these forever, even when I die. But, you know, you know, um, you know, bugs exist and, you know, pages rot and, you know, books, they don't always last. Sometimes when you put them too close together, you'll take one out and the pages got stuck together. Yep. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, even with having the amount of toys that I have, there's times where like I can't put them all in certain spaces. So I put them in bins sometimes. Right. And I'll open the bin. I'll look for a toy. One of my toys has been on top of another one for too long and it was too heavy. Like snaps off. Mm. Right. And then it's like shit. And so. I've learned that nothing lasts. No matter what I collect, it's not going to last. So I think to myself, is any of this worth it? Have I wasted my time doing this? And I remind myself, and the answer is no. Because to me, it's 
part of it is the excitement of finding. I cannot explain much. I cannot showcase <laughs> the level of emotion of happiness I have when I show up at a store and I find something that I really want and I purchase it and then I get to play with it and I have fun with it for like two, three days and then it goes into my shelf and now I look at it and it just makes me happy to look at it, right? I, everybody has comparable feelings and maybe action figures isn't your thing and that's fine. It could be something else. But that feeling is something that I really enjoy, being able to share. And that's why I, I use the YouTube also so that I know that toy isn't always going to exist. Yeah. Maybe my dog will get into it. Something bad will happen. I got to go play with it. So I have this video proof now of what I had. And I can go back. And sometimes I catch myself. I'll go back to like old videos. I'm like, oh, that was hell yeah. <laughs> and I get excited. I go back and I find the toy and I'm just hype. Um, but the thing is, I always tell myself, because someone once asked me, one of my students asked me, well, what would you do if your house burned down or if someone stole your collection? And the, the my response is always the same. I always say, then that means I get to start over. No. And that's exciting. Man, see, that's the thing. That, that's such the positive outlook. Like you were talking about earlier with the, most people that read comic books or, or nerds in general, like when you and Steven came along, it was a breath of fresh air because though I, I would say, I would never say any of my, my nerd geek friends are right. negative. The thing is with, nerd and geeks is that we've been conditioned i guess to keep it a secret for so long that we don't yeah we don't tend to be uh outwardly um positive to other people that are outside of our group uh-huh. when you're in your group everybody's positive everybody's cool everybody hangs out and stuff like that but you two you didn't know me from adam and you know you accepted me you you, you talked to me you were your positive smiles and stuff like that so i mean I, i'm so glad that we are are closer now and and you know I, I consider you a really good friend i do too much and it's one of those things it's like my whole life i try to to take pieces from people that have inspired me and one thing about i mean one thing is everyone that i've met in some capacity has been able to provide me with something and when i see you you know you're someone that work you're you're a workhorse you know one thing in like when i watch wrestling one of the main contents is the workhorse of the wwe the person who maybe isn't on camera all the time but they're always dependable and they're getting things done and they're making things work and so for me that's important and ultimately, what I'm trying to get at is you are the workhorse of what we do. I mean, it's hard. It's kind of like we try to ex- showcase our appreciation for things that exist, and not everybody will be able to bring it out. And it's really hard. And I appreciate you for all that you do to provide a medium for everybody. I mean, this isn't supposed to be the Praise Mitch podcast, but I'm okay with this at the moment. <laughs> I'm just joking. Dude, uh, like I said, you're always so great to have around and, and, and to hang out with. So I'm super stoked that you're more a part of Geek Elite Media now than you were before. Um, which kind of brings me to some of the other stuff. It's like, uh, let's, let's get into, let's get into a few favorites if we can. All right. All right. So uh, throughout your history, Favorite wrestler? Throughout my history, I've always been a Hulk Hogan person. Yeah? Um, as a kid. So I remember when we lived in California, when I was a baby, my dad saw Hulk Hogan at a liquor store. And my dad, mind you, he doesn't speak any English at this point, right? <laughs> so he goes up to Hulk Hogan and he's like, oh, Hulk Hogan. And 
my well, my dad tells me, and my mom confirms it, so it makes me think my dad's not lying because my mom doesn't lie. Okay. Um, but my dad says that you know Hulk Hogan t- like he he shook my little baby hand. Oh wow! And, I mean. For me, you know, growing up, my my cousins got me into wrestling, and he was always my favorite. Him and the Ultimate Warrior. They were really, really big big wrestlers that I loved. You know, that whole idea of, you know, eating your vitamins, saying your prayers, be that Hulkamaniac. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And Hulk Hogan was always my favorite, and he still is. Um, Most recently, getting back into wrestling these past years, I've been a big fan of Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose, I think, like, again, workhorse of the WWE. He did a lot of great things. And now that he's going to AEW and he's uh, John Moxley, I'm just so excited because now, you know, he gets to wrestle the way he wants to. We're talking about somebody who's charismatic, somebody who's really excited about what he does, somebody who you put him in front of the mic and you give him a script, he will turn shit into lemonade, right? He's able to produce gold with what he's given, which is really, really hard for most people. And I've always appreciated him. I remember when I got back into wrestling, it was because my friend Emily, you know, we'd go to her house and we'd watch SmackDown together. And during this time, I was really in love with her. So that's why I was kind of hanging out and... I, I really reignited my love for wrestling during that time. So I'm very thankful for that. And when The Shield first came out, I was like, who are these motherfuckers? <laughs> and I thought, who's this Dean Ambrose guy? Because he was a weird, I mean, he was a weird looking wrestler compared to the other two. But for some reason, there was something about him, some kind of charisma that just kept my attention. And so he's been my favorite recently. So I, I don't know if you, you've had a chance to see Hobson Shaw yet. I mean, obviously, we know The Rock is in it. Yes. His cousin, Roman Reigns, is yes. in it. Yes. His, his other cut, like the other, the tag team is also his cousins, right? Like that. Yes. They're uh, all, they're all part of that family. That, so Jay and Jimmy Uso. Uso. Okay. Are, are they in that movie? Do you know? I don't believe they are. Okay. Yeah. I think it was just Roman Reigns. Okay. Um, okay. So, so that, that's wrestling. Wrestling. Uh, comic book wise, your favorite character. Oh, my favorite character. That's a good question. So if I had to go with of all time. Of all time. It probably have to be, it depends on the day. Some okay. days it's Scott Summers, the greatest X-Man of all time. <laughs> I would say, some Some would say, some would the say, X-Man. The X-Man. Um, I just love his history. Uh-huh. I mean, even in the past couple of years before I met the fantastic Christopher Frank, which is the, the weirdest part. <laughs> that is, it is very odd how much the two of you <laughs> it's, agree. You know, he was a character that, you know, someone that carried the dream, someone who had the guts to do what it, what he had to do to make sure that there was food on the table for his people. And I think I really respect that. And I think there's just so many great stories with him, with them, with him in it. And I think he embodies what it means to be a hero. Did he lose some of that along the way? Yes, but I feel you know he transcended hero into like so into into like king for kind of some mm-hmm. reasons. I, I you know I would say that the problem I don't have I don't have a problem with Scott Summers right. at all. I think Cyclops is a great character, and I do think he was written a lot better back in the day. The thing is, is that as those young readers became adults and then became the writers, they were all set against the whole. Boy Scout, fearlessly, they're no flaw kind of thing. Now, if you if you get a chance to write Superman, DC is not going to let you change that about Superman, right? DC or Marvel is not going to let you change that about Captain America, right? But 
Marvel could be like, yeah, you want to do something different with the X Men, you know, with Scott Summers. You want to make him a little bit, you know, not not so not so uh, shiny or right. uh, innocent or whatever. A little more edgy. More edgy. Right. Go right ahead. And <laughs> and though it, it's probably came up with some good stories, like it does take away from the the, the Scott Summers that you grew up with. It does. And for me, it's kind of like I like that because for me, when I look at the story of Scott Summers, it's all of it together mm-hmm. and kind of like I can see why he would do the things that he did when he did them. And I feel like there was real credence to it. I feel like uh, Brian Michael Bendis was a secret. So I feel, what I love about Scott is he survived during a time where Marvel was trying to destroy the Mm X-Men, right? And the fact is, you know, they brought in Brian Michael Bendis during the Uncanny Run to like, bury him but i believe brian michael bendis was a big fan of scott summers i believe he was too because he gave us some great stories and a lot of like things where you really thought about what you enjoyed and to this day i still don't think that he was i mean now that i'm a little bit older and i can see both sides of certain things i don't think that everything he did was the best way but i do feel like for the most part kind of like what the comics say cyclops was right (laughs) when i don't pick cyclops i was gonna say what's the other day my other day would be superman Oh, nice. Superman is a character that just embodies everything that you love in a person. And the idea, I mean, the iconic covers and the fact that this is an individual who is somebody who's not like us, but he wants to be like us and he ascribes us to be better. Mm -hmm. And I just love all aspects of that. You know, when he's written correctly, when he's written with that sense of hope, people, when they tell me Superman's boring, they haven't read the right Superman stories. Yes, exactly. And that's really, really important. But you're not connecting with him the way that you should. Right. Like, I mean... I get it. People are always like, "Oh, he's too overpowered and stuff." Was like, you got it. You got to look at the man. You can't look yeah, at the Superman. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be my other one. Uh, I mean, th- those are two solid choices. Two really big choices. Okay. All right. So then, let's move to the next thing. Power Rangers. I know it's a big part of your fandom. Ooh, Power Rangers. What's who's your favorite Power Ranger of any iteration, any uh, combination, any uh, generation? So before we get into that, I gotta say, Power Rangers is how I learned English. Wow. So I was born in America. I was born in California, Uh right? But I mostly spoke Spanish. My neighbors spoke Spanish. My mom and my dad spoke Spanish to me. So I didn't really know a lot of English. And then we moved over to Yuma um, when I was like five. And that's when the school was going to start. And so, you know, I didn't really know a lot of English, but I watched a lot of Power Rangers. And when I was watching Power Rangers, you know, that's what helped me practice my my English. So Power Rangers has always been important to me. And it really captured my imagination because nothing is cooler, one, than, you know, very, very colorful spandex suits. It taught me the importance of teamwork. It taught me the power that if you if you punch a bad guy hard enough with a dagger, they're gonna have little sparks come out of their chest. <laughs> and then there's giant robots and giant and giant giant monsters. Of course. All of it was perfect. But hands down, no question. The greatest Power Ranger of all time, and you can fight me, I don't care who you are, anybody on the internet was Jason Lee. Jason Scott Lee or Jason Lee Scott was Jason, the best yeah. because he was a character that embodied that sense of heroism when nobody else could. What I love about Power Rangers is that it's a show about teamwork. It's a campy 90s show, yes, um, but there's a certain charm to it. I remember re-watching it, and it's not as good as I enjoyed it, <laughs> but I still like it. There's okay. a lot of those good teachable moments 
campy, but teachable. And what I loved about Jason is the fact that they were a team of five rangers. And other characters like Trini, like Billy, like Zack and Kimberly had so much more time to shine than he did. He was always one of those characters that was very relaxed. He was very disciplined, very handsome. I enjoyed that about him too. But more importantly, the fact that he was always embodying what it meant to be a good leader. Because he encouraged his teammates to try things and then he would kind of put them together to do the right thing. Don't get me wrong. I talk a lot of shit about Tommy, all right? <laughs> but I love Tommy. Green uh-huh. Ranger Tommy was great. White Ranger Tommy was great. Um, Jason, um, Jason David Frank, nothing against him. But when he came aboard, unfortunately, Saban did turn the franchise into the Tommy Oliver variety. Hour. It's true. And I mean, there's a lot of politics behind it. You know, I'm behind all that at this point. To me, Jason, and there's a lot of people out there who agree with me, you know, that Jason was their favorite Power Ranger. There have been better Red Rangers, yes. There's been better leaderships. There's been better seasons of Power Rangers, right? The fact that it all comes from Super Sentai from Japan, regardless. <laughs> For me, it's one of those things where I'm always going to love Jason because at my age when I was growing up, he instilled in me the power that you can't do anything by yourself. Whereas Tommy would go out and he'd fight like 17 putties by himself unmorphed and survive. (laughs) Great. That's awesome. But most people aren't Tommy. Jason taught me that when you have a well-functioning team and everyone pays attention and everyone does their part with unity, they can accomplish. They can move mountains. It's... (laughs) The parallels to the X-Men is, is there. Yes, yes I mean, it is. It's Scott Summers as Jason and Wolverine as Tommy. There you go. It becomes the Wolverine power hour. Uh, and my God, have I been having some great, great years? I mean, Hasbro with getting the rights for Power Rangers. I've been getting some amazing Power Ranger action figures. The fact that I loved the 2017, 2018 movie. I love that fucking film. The fact that they're making a sequel without that cast is heartbreaking uh-huh. and I'm angry. That's one of the few things that makes me not want to sleep at night. <laughs> um, Dacker Montgomery was great. All of them were great. That, I, you know what? I did enjoy that movie than, more than I thought I would. Right, and most so. people did. And I mean, it was a diverse cast. They were the Rangers. Maybe the movie, the movie could have been better. I agree. Right? Yeah, of course. Maybe less Krispy Kreme advertisement. <laughs> but regardless, that those were my Power Rangers. Like I like that team dynamic. And the fact that they had Becky G made it even better because that girl can sing. You and know? you know, it, it, it helped that there was no Tommy in the movie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you were coming for the sequel, though. Um, Okay, so that that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I, I like that. I, I one thing I do because re- I I only watched like that first season uh, of the American Power Rangers. I never okay. watched. I never even knew about a Super Sentai thing. Mm. I do remember the episode where I think it's the episode where they introduced Tommy for the first time, and you had Jason and Tommy fighting in a ring or something like that. Right? Yep, they were the doing an expedition. Expo. Yeah, yep. and and Jason ends up winning because he's the he's the good guy of the show, right? Right. Uh, but. Yeah, that's the only thing I remember. Like, it's yeah. the one thing I, I distinctly remember. I should say, so. it was it was a good episode. They ended up. Uh, so the funny thing is, so they tied, but oh. they tied because of technicalities. Jason hit all of his shots. <laughs> the only reason he tied was because Tommy was able to push him back, and he Jason got out of bounds. Uh. So Jason did win that fight, <laughs> just on a technicality. Got it. See, and I always, I always uh, related to the blue, the blue uh, ranger, uh, Billy. Billy's great. Yeah. Again, it's like. But that was like the same thing with the turtles. I was always a Donatello person. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's you know everyone tr- goes to the ranger that they like most, uh-huh. and most people won't pick Jason, which is fine. That, that's that's what I like about him. Jason hasn't doesn't have to be at the center. No. We have people like Billy who are great, and I love Billy's story. I love Kimberly. The fact that she's this. I mean, my first crush. 
Amy Jo Johnson, the most I mean, beautiful woman of all time. It's a whole generation's first whole crush. generation, right? And she, I mean, she killed it. You know, someone that comes off as this valley girl, but has a heart of gold. And she's smart and she's funny. She's so witty and it's the best. Trini, the greatest companion you could possibly ever have. And honestly, the one person that I can connect with soul-wise, I love that character. Rest in peace to the actress. She was amazing. And then um, Walter Jones, I mean, Zach. A more carefree, loving dude who I don't feel got enough respect no. because he was Jason's second in command and mm-hmm. they were best buddies. And then when Tommy came along, that changed. And that was just weird for me. <laughs> but again, I, I so, did like Tommy. Tommy was really fucking cool. Not to get into the controversy, but why did the three of them leave? Because so, it was three people that left, right? Yes. So what was happening is, you know, Saban, he struck gold. Because what he was doing is, you know, he found Super Sentai in Japan. Mind you, they were on their, I think, I want to say eighth season. Wow. So, like, the Power Rangers we saw was just one of the themed seasons. Right. Because every season was a different theme of something. They were oh. different. Because Super Sentai means, like, Super Squad. It's like Squadron. Uh-huh. Like, a team of heroes. And basically, that year was, it was dinosaur themed, right? That's why you see them like that, Power Rangers. But what happened is, so Saban struck gold because he was able to take the Japanese footage and then they were able to, to, to add, to splish it around, right? To, to kind of, um, turn it into different aspects. And then they would record and film American parts that way so they can do their own story with their own show. So already half of the material was already pre filmed because <laughs> he bought the rights and he brought it over. They were able to do this. Uh-huh. And when they had their casting, you know, a lot of people didn't think it was going to be like this big show. And and children just ate that shit up. People loved it. But again, Fancy Colors, that intro sequence with the (laughs) amazing guitar, like what could be more iconic? There's a reason Power Rangers was so popular. And that's why I feel a Power Rangers TV show or movie would work nowadays because of what the MCU has done. Is there not a TV show currently on air? I mean, they still have like the, the actual Sentai. I'm talking about like a more maybe adult themed cartoon oh, a cartoon okay. would be great right. or like something kind of like with with uh you know dc and marvel they have at all times if it's not a movie maybe they have you know they had the netflix shows uh-huh. they had the things on dc they have like certain like um justice league unlimited like that kind of stuff but power rangers never had that aspect right they just had that so what happened is they struck gold they did really really well people loved it and these actors were making like nothing yeah and so what happened is um, now I've I've had the opportunity to interview uh, like I think three Power oh. Ranger members now at this point. Awesome. Uh, one was an actual Ranger. Two were the side characters. You okay. know, like like a Skulk and Bulb or Bulk and Skull. Bulk and Skull. Thank you. Uh, but they you they never came out and said it. But you could tell they're kind of being like, oh, you don't really get paid anything. Yeah, you don't get paid anything. And so you know, with how popular they were. Yeah. So you know, three of them decided to well. Austin St. John, Red Ranger Jason, that's mm-hmm. again, leader, amazing. You know, he got to his coworker and as he was telling him, like, you know, we should all get together and if they don't pay us more, we should walk out. And ultimately, the only ones that agreed were him, with him were um, Walter Jones. Walter Jones and uh, Ty, I forget Trini's actress name, but her. And um, they, so they, 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 they quit and they went off and they did their other things. And, Austin St. John came back a couple of times. He came back as the Gold Zeo Ranger, which was awesome, and he came back for the Turbo movie. But there was always that like that bad blood mm-hmm. because Saban wasn't paying his actors what they were supposed to have, and that's what led to like the weird, you know, Jason uh, 
Tommy became the new leader because at that point, I mean, the other three had left. Mm -hmm. And now they're retconning this, which I'm so happy about with the Boom Studios comics, which have been great. Like, what can I, I... I am living my best life because I am enjoying the job that I have. I get to eat pizza in a country that I love and I get to read Power Ranger comic books and it's amazing. And it's just, it's beautiful. I can't, I mean, what, what more could I want? Fair enough. So, okay, let's move on to movies, movies. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I, can I ask you what your favorite movie is? Yes, you can. Cause I have an answer. You have an answer. Yes. All right. Let's, my let's favorite film. And it, I mean, it can change sometimes. I mean, I have like a top 10 of like right. movies that have. Feelings. So what's the top three? Top three would have to be uh, Rushmore by uh, Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. Wes Anderson's Rushmore. I love it so much. Um, Jason Schwartzman. That movie just captured my imagination. imagination. I loved it. And just the wackiness, the quirkiness, the awkward silences, the way he incorporates music. I love Wes Anderson as a director. And for when I watched this film, it just impacted me and I loved it. The other one would have to be um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That's a great movie. That movie, you know, I and that's like a that's a that's a early Tim Roth and Gary Oldman like before people really knew who they were. It and is. That's amazing, and it, it it plays on all of the aspects that I love about that play: the absurdity and just the comedy. And it just when I watched it, it was great. The actor who played Hamlet, I forget who it was, he stole the show. But that's one of those movies that just just every time I watch it, it's like a treat. And then my favorite movie of all time has to be the movie that I watched at my 18th birthday on IFC by complete accident, and that was I Heart Huckabees. Wow. By oh, uh, man, uh, director of- Of The Fighter. Of The and, Fighter and- uh, A few other things. Oh, uh, American Hustle. I had him in my David mind. something. I'm gonna David. He deserves the credit. I'm gonna find. I know it. It's in. It's right there on the top of. My, it's tip of my. Tongue. Same here. Same here. Uh, I mean, I Heart Huckabees is probably not one of my favorites. David O. Russell. David O. Russell. Thank you. Uh, I did like American Hustle, and I really like the fighter. David O. Russell, this son of a bitch. So, <laughs> on my 18th birthday, I remember. You know, people talk about the importance of numbers, and oh, you're 18. This it's a big deal. My 18th birthday was also my confirmation with the Catholic Church. Okay. And this was around the time that I finally kind of made peace with the fact that I wasn't religious. And I mean, I don't want to say this movie pushed me that way, but this movie was an experience because for me, and every time I watch it, it's just so much fun. Again, Jason Schwartzman, maybe he's just my favorite actor. I don't know. (laughs) But him and Mark Wahlberg together in this film with Naomi Watts and um, Jude Law and... um, the the Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. and Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. It's the cast is superb. The story itself is insane. The idea of these existential detectives and kind of how they're trying to understand the philosophy. Like it's it's a very tongue in cheek movie that does really play some intense themes. There is nothing more than I can enjoy than the scene where Jude Law slowly breaks down as a character this lovable guy who everybody enjoys but he doesn't know who he is and the fact that he keeps asking himself how am i not myself and how he's playing this character but he's not really happy is the craziest thing that i watch at that age and it fucked me up as a as a as a, as a young adult and then the fact that mark Wahlberg and jason schwartzman kind of come together and at the end of the lot at the end of the day it really tells me the meaning of what i think a big part of life is and that is You can't have a good life without a little bit of shit. Without the manure, there's no magic. 
And that's what this movie really taught me. But it taught it in a way where it's funny, it's wacky, and it's insane. And every I watch it at least two times every year just to remind myself of how much I enjoy it. And that is my favorite movie. That is awesome. I love that I, I love that. Of your uh, action figure toy collection, what's your what's your favorite one so i have a lot of favorites that's okay. very hard but i can say the one that has the most like memorable nostalgic most importance has to be my power rangers megazord the ninja megazord that my parents got for me when the power rangers movie first came out this was during it so it's the megazord that like is, is breakable mm-hmm. and it's um it gets the frog the bear the ape, the wolf, and then the crane. And so you put it together, kind of like a transformer. And my parents bought this for me at a time where it was my birthday. I think it was Christmas. And we didn't have a lot of money, but they still made made the time and the effort to buy this for me. And so that meant a lot to me. And so if my house ever did catch on fire, and if I was in one of those scenarios where I could take one toy out and save, that would be it. That's the thing. Because it's not the one that I play with the most. (laughs) It's not even my most favorite to look at, but but it's the one that has the most emotional impact. Fair enough. All right, that that's awesome. I, I love all those answers. Uh, if you could have one useless superpower, what would it be? My one useless superpower, it would probably be the power to, okay, I don't know how useless it is, but I want to be able to put money in people's wallets. Ooh, like, not your own wallet, but other people's wallets. Yes, so like if someone, if I, sometimes, you know, like I see people struggling and they're trying to pay for something, it just all change. So if I could just find a way to like snap my fingers and like all of a sudden there's a $4 in their wallet, that'd be great. <laughs> Another power I'd love to play with is the idea of like money manipulation. So what this one looks like is, let's say you have like $2 in your wallet and then like your buddy has like two $20 bills. Basically, if you're able to touch their $20 bill, what happens is their $20 bill is replaced with your $1. So if I could do that, that'd be, I'd be rich all the time. I just have to be able to touch money all the time. Last question I'm going to ask you. Uh Of all your fandoms, wrestling, movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, whatever, whatever, what have you. If you could be involved in one of them in any way as a writer, an actor, a director, you know, just coming in and patting down someone's sweat, you know, on their forehead, what would it be? There's a lot of things I want to say, but for sure, my answer would be Power Rangers. Yeah. So the past two years, I've been slowly working on like this pilot that I'd like to sell to Netflix one day, depending. I don't know. But I'm coming up, I'm going to call it Angel Grove. And it's kind of like, like when you have Sabrina, Riverdale, I wanted to be a show about the teenagers, but throwing in that gratuitous Power Ranger violence mm-hmm. every now and then. If not, maybe a cartoon one day. I want to do something with Power Rangers. I feel it's... Especially now with kind of the resurgence that it's in, especially with the lightning collection with the toys and Hasbro, I feel if they did start to develop something, maybe I could start there and maybe help out. Even if they took all my ideas and made it happen, as long as they did what I kind of want to see, I don't fucking care. You don't have to pay me anything. Maybe send me a toy. But let you be at the premiere and send you a toy. That's it. That's all I want. To me, it's I love information. The re, okay. So one thing about me is when you look at my YouTube videos, you'll notice a lot of the times I use actual music for a lot of my videos. Whether I'm unboxing something or I'm on an adventure, I use actual music that gets monetized, and that's a big reason why I don't monetize my videos. Again, a big part of it is for me, but it's I don't feel right monetizing a video where. The music that I'm playing, like a Miley Race, like a, a Miley Cyrus song, right? That's not my song, and I'm just showcasing my experience. So why should I get paid for this? Mm-hmm. And if they get paid for it, whatever, I don't care. You know, 
just don't take my video down. <laughs> I'm not doing it intentionally to be mad at you, right. anybody. Exactly. But it, I mean, it's you share the wealth. It's we we live in a beautiful age of just so much fan fiction and fan art. And one thing that I have been working on is like I'm trying to get better at drawing. Because the other thing is, you know, maybe one day I start my own cartoon. I don't know. But everything is exciting. Do you, do you, do you still pick up your guitar every once in a while? I do. Well, my ukulele. Oh. Uh, my parting gift to Steven as he left to Phoenix was my guitar. Oh. But um, I thought about buying another one. But again, it's one of those things where I know that when I want to, I'll get another guitar and I'll play it again because it's kind of like riding a bike. You don't really forget. Your hand gets a little bit rusty and your fingers hurt again at certain times, but it's like hanging out with your with your good friend only it's a guitar and it makes sounds <laughs> all right rafa put put yourself over what where are the places people can follow you and see you see all your wonderful content so if you like what i have to sling most and foremost you know you can always follow me on most of the social medias i'm always at mobile rafi so whether it's my main ones are always instagram twitter i also have a twitter called rafa at the movies where i'm more focused on the movies that i watch so i mean if you don't really know what you want to watch on saturday and you're just kind of like going through my pictures on rafa at the movies Take it, take it as I say it again. I'm, I don't consider myself a movie apologist, but a lot of the times I come off that way because a movie that maybe a lot of people don't like, I found something good about it. Yeah, well, let's see. I wouldn't say you're an apologist. I would say that you do find the silver lining. You find the thing that's like, hey, yeah, th- this all this stuff was bad, and you already know that. But think about this part yeah, right here. You're focused this. on this part. Yeah, right, to live your life positively. Yeah, that's not that's so not an that. apologist. That's just being a good person. That's right. <laughs> so. um, I occasionally write the quick editorial on geek elite i have a couple that i'm going to be uploading to you soon that's right so we'll have that also you can find me on geek elite here as we do our shows and uh, my youtube channel which is mobile rafi where if you just want to see me playing with toys or talking about a movie or reviewing an anime or just enjoying a casual saturday that's where it's at Uh, to me it's all about spreading as much life experience as you can and that's what i try to do sounds great all right, so definitely get a hold of Rafa. Make sure you follow all those different places and, uh, you know, just experience the greatness that is Rafa. Thank you. <laughs> and I will give you a shout-out by giving you a hug if I see you on the street. There you go. Uh, so until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Ben, why should anybody listen to Blockbuster Mentality? I mean, seriously, why should any of these people that we've interrupted while they're listening to their favorite podcast check us out or even turn off this show and go straight to our show? That's a great question, Dave. People should listen to us because we point out the most important details of movies and television. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the really important stuff like Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru in Star Wars. What exactly are their living quarters underground? But it's not just that, Ben. We produce high quality audio that is exactly right Dave because we will have my daughter interrupt us on every single episode <laughs> and we have an amazing stars in popcorn rating system we measure on quality and entertainment value listen to blockbuster mentality every Monday on all major podcast platforms and connect with us on Twitter at blockbustercast. so grab some popcorn grab some snacks we'll catch you guys at the movies <laughs> <laughs>